As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Hello, Talent Magnet community. I just wanted to uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode. You are going to hear from one of our faculty, Don Frerichs, who is leading an extraordinary leader series as a part of the Talent Magnet platform. Don is one of our longstanding faculty members. He's an incredible coach, an incredible leader, and he is highlighting extraordinary leaders as a part of this series. So we hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, I turn it over to Don. Thank you for joining the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. This is Don Frerichs, guest host for Mike Sipple. And today we are taping the Extraordinary Leaders Series. And with me is Anna Grome from Tier One Performance Solutions. Say hi to everybody, Anna. Hello, everybody. It's great to be here. So glad you're with us. Let me tell them a little bit about your background, Anna. She is a principal consultant at Tier One Performance Solutions in Cincinnati. She's an experienced consultant and industrial organizational psychologist. Her work with clients and multidisciplinary teams activates business strategies and optimizes performance in the workplace. This is how Anna describes her work. I work with clients to identify performance challenges and opportunities and use research-informed practices to design and implement holistic people-centered solutions. And Anna, you've done that across a lot of different industries and business types. And I just found your whole background really interesting. I didn't even know that you were applied research associates for so long as a principal scientist and senior cognitive scientist. So you've done a lot of amazing things. I found that to be really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I feel I feel very, very fortunate with the types of experiences I've I've been able to to be involved in. And I, I feel like I've I've worked with such a, a wide swath of clients and researchers and consultants and leaders over the years and learned so much from those multiple experience. So definitely feel fortunate to have had those opportunities. That's great. How did it start? I really don't know your family of origin or your, your, any of your story. I mean, can you go back? Did you notice that leadership showed up in any form or fashion early on, or was it just something that you just grew into through all these great experiences? Yeah, probably a bit of both. To tell you a little bit about my background, Midwestern girl at heart. I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, one of four siblings and middle child. My older brother of three years was a special needs child. And so very early on, I became a very independent person because my my older sibling required a a lot from my parents. And yeah, I, I think leadership did start to appear very early on in my life with my upbringing. My mom was a teacher and my dad was a a broker for small business mergers and acquisitions. And they're both still living today. They're both still with us. And I I feel so grateful for that. And I'm sure that they, they had an impact on me as a leader, just in terms of the values that they taught us and that they reinforced throughout my upbringing. You know, I think back to just how much emphasis they put on putting others ahead of, of self, really 
quiet and humble service. They have been, always have been very great models of just very quiet and and humble service to others. So really, you know, kind of that servant leadership mentality was something that I know I learned from them very early on. And also just, you know, this value of of discipline and hard work and that the recognition that nothing is ever just handed to you, you know, it all, it always requires effort, hard work and the other piece that, that I reflect on that they really instilled in me very early on is the focus on learning and on being a well-rounded, multidimensional human being and always to be humble and to recognize how much you have to learn from other people. So I, I would say those are some of the things that they instilled for me from a very early age and really modeled themselves for me. I hope mom and dad get a chance to hear this because I would be the first person to say, and I've seen a lot of data on Anna and she is a a client and she's pushed herself through 360 assessments and all the data that I've seen, Anna says that you're doing all those things. You have really excelled. You are humble and quiet, service-oriented, hardworking, well-rounded, humble. As I said before, it just keeps coming up over and over. I mean, you've really done those things. So I, I hope that they get to understand that their little girl's growing up to be quite a leader. (laughs) Thank you, Don. (laughs) I know one of the things that you really work hard at is inspiring and motivating your team. And that it's all about your team doing the very best they can for your clients. And it seems to me, based on what I've read, is that your team excels at a very high level. Could you help our listeners kind of understand maybe some of the things that are very conscious for you as a leader? What do you do to really make inspiring and motivate others, you know, work for you? Because, mm-hmm. you know, quite honestly, it's the hardest thing for many of us to do. Many of us want to believe that, you know, people should be inspired and motivated themselves and you just ha- kind of help them learn what to do as a leader. But I, I don't get that from you. It feels to me like you go into a different zone with your people. And I know that you've written about different things like the empathy and the listening and mm-hmm. uh, helping to elicit their feedback and really making sure that they feel like they have an an ability to contribute in a safe environment. How would you describe it? What are the things that are conscious for you as an extraordinary leader that seems to make the biggest difference? It's a good question. And there are several things that are always top of mind for me. But one of those things is just a, a true belief that every single person on a team brings something, brings something special, brings something valuable to the table. And I see it as my job as a leader of individuals and a leader of teams to bring out those skills, bring out those unique characteristics. I think it can at times be hard in some teams for people to feel like their perspective or their knowledge or their expertise is valued. And so I see it as my role to ensure that people do feel valued and that they do feel that their perspective is worth something to the whole of the team. So that's one of the things that I always have in my conscious awareness. I also believe that it's my role to create a kind of a team climate where people feel like they're safe, they're comfortable expressing their thoughts, even if they're divergent thoughts, even if they're questioning kind of a a fundamental assumption that the team is operating under. I do intentionally try to create an environment where people feel like it's okay to question and to push back and to challenge. 
Because I think if you don't have that kind of environment, the team can go down a path that really isn't in the best interest of the goal or or of the client or whatever it is that we're working on. So those are a couple of things that come to mind. Because I believe you've studied it. First of all, I love your answers, but I also think that there's something more. This idea of psychological safety has been a big deal. It's been written about for a lot of years. It's really mm-hmm. tough to do. And I, I just have to ask you, based on what you just said, Anna, how do you keep that safety there when somebody's kind of pushing back or it almost feels like they're creating conflict because they're criticizing or maybe even complaining loudly about what's not working? How do you yeah. stay out of judgment and how do you make people feel that it, they're safe by sharing that kind of maybe sometimes harsh feedback? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in my experience, when I think about somebody offering a criticism or pushing back, I typically very, very truly believe that, gosh, you know, there's a really interesting point there that we need to understand better. And so typically, if somebody brings up a critique, I just try to explore it more. So I I let them articulate what's on their mind. I ask some additional questions to try to better understand what their concerns are or where their critique is stemming from. And then I also ask other people to weigh in. So, so this person is concerned about X, you know, what do you think? You know, do you have anything that you want to add to that? It's almost providing the space for that conversation to unfold and to explore whatever that concern is with a full team. And I think when you do that enough, members of your team just know that it's okay, that there's not going to be a a negative repercussion to to raise a criticism, to push back on an assumption, but it's going to be acknowledged, it's going to be listened to, and it's going to be explored. So those are a couple of things that I I have found work and, you know, in creating that climate. I love what you said, providing the space for it. That's so hard to do sometimes. I, I find myself getting sometimes bristled or I feel like I'm being judged because I'm part of the potential critique. And I love what you're saying because it's really hard to have enough self-awareness to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think you were alluding to the fact that you just stay curious. You just really Mm -hmm. get kind of interested that there's something that could be really good that's coming out of this. And so I want to listen to it, unpack it a little bit deeper and try to figure out where the value is. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. I think curiosity, staying curious, asking questions is key. And I also think this might be one of the places where my inner critic helps me (laughs) because it's very rare that I will go into a situation and feel like I have the answer. I have it figured out. It truly is a team effort in coming to the best approach, coming to the best solution. And so I feel like it's absolutely necessary to, to hear what others have to say and, you know, where their concerns are and how we might work better as a team. So it's just kind of maybe the way I'm wired that I, I know that I don't have the right answer. And so I need to learn from my team. I love your attitude. It's such an attitude of humility. As we all know, that came up originally, I think, in Colin's work back in 2001 when he started talking about the level five leaders and that he found that they all had this incredible amount of humility. I hear it every time I talk to you. It's amazing. And uh, I know that if I could say to our listeners, I'd like to share a little bit of the data that we have on Anna. Anna asked a lot of people to give her feedback through a 360 process, and her results were off the charts. Out of 19 differentiating 
factors, we call them competencies of leadership. You did really, really well in 17 out of the 19 and the other two were pretty close. So you almost aced it. And I've given this uh, 360 assessment to over 300, probably close to 400 people by now. And I have to tell you, Anna, I've, I've only seen maybe one or two others like your initial assessment. It was just really outstanding. So when I oh, wow. to listeners, this is an extraordinary leader. We actually have the facts to prove that. We have the data. Your 360 just screams that. Could I give the listeners just a taste of what some of your folks say about you? Yeah, absolutely. Brace yourself. I know that your humility is going to hate this, but (laughs) (laughs) I will try not to cringe. (laughs) Okay, don't cringe. Don't let the critic out, right? Here's what somebody said I feel like I'm a better consultant, professional, and person because of what I was able to learn from her. And it's not just me, she also supports so many others. After anyone talks to Anna, they come away feeling assured about their next steps or actions to be taken whether it's an approach to a solution for a client, navigating a challenging internal team dynamics, et cetera. I think that it is such a rare and valuable skill and gift that she has. Another person said, Anna's ability to develop and listen to others is amazing. She has a talent for connecting with people one-to-one and in small groups, validating others' feelings, acknowledging their thoughts, and always provides an alternative perspective. I could go on and on. I've got pages to provide. I know it's going to make you crazy if I do that, Anna, so I'm not. But when you get feedback like that, and part of what I think we both share a belief in is that strength-based development is probably the most valuable way to develop one's skills. Could you let our listeners know a little bit about when you received all this feedback, you know, what did you do with it? How did you let it soak into you and how are you managing it and how has it made you a better leader? Well, I guess when I kind of play back the process, you know, when I went to open the feedback from the 360, I honestly had a lot of fear and trepidation (laughs) and anxiety. I think probably it goes back to the inner critic. I'm just like, oh, what are people, you know, what are people going to say? And I was concerned. And then I remember seeing the feedback and reading it and feeling very pleasantly surprised, almost embarrassed, but also just very appreciative of what folks had said. And thought like, wow, I, you know, I, I do maybe have a positive impact on people and influence people in a positive way. And it, it felt, you know, it felt good to hear that feedback. And then subsequently have had conversations, you know, with you, Don. I've had conversations with our internal coach at Tier 1, Karen Nelson. I've had conversations with our CEO, Greg Harmeyer, and, and other leaders within the organization who have helped me process the feedback and also process some of the areas where I continue, I can either double down on, on my strengths or continue to, to work on areas where perhaps there's some additional opportunity for improvement. It's been, you know, a process of reflection and additional conversation and goal setting that have all emerged from that 360 process. I'm curious about if any of these things were things over your past that you've had to intentionally learn, they seem to be so natural for you right now. And maybe, you know, when you think about more practice, it's really not, you know, heavy duty lifting, but it's, you know, trying to round some things off. But was there a time Mm -hmm. in your life where, you know, leadership was not easy and you had to learn some of these habits? Well, I don't think leadership is ever easy. (laughs) (laughs) So what I will say 
is what I have done, and I would say I've done it more intentionally in the last 10 years, is I've really taken notice of leaders in my sphere. So leaders who have impacted me or influenced me in a positive way. I've also recognized leaders who maybe I haven't appreciated their style quite as much and have really taken note of that and been intentional about trying to double down on and develop the skills and the qualities that I have seen in leaders and have really appreciated and respected. And then trying to steer away from some of the the behaviors that I have found to not be as counterproductive and and leaders that I've interacted with. It's really been a process of observation of others, reflecting on what I deem to be really admirable leadership qualities, and then really trying to bring those to life in the way that I show up when I'm leading others. That really resonates with me. I know that I can clearly see through my career when I was in corporate America, that I had really three outstanding leaders that I love working for. They're the guy that, that actually hired me into the business. I was inspired by them, just became a better person, a better employee. And in most cases, actually all three of those cases, they left within like a year or less than, less than a year. And then Attila the Hun came in. And I say that in jest because the next leader was so bad. It was such a night and day difference. I was shocked. And one of the reasons I do what I do today, Anna, is because I I just don't want people to have that experience. When those bad leaders are in your life, I think your life is miserable. I think you feel worse about yourself than you ever have. I think your productivity is way down. Your creativity, your ability to innovate is not there. I think really bad leaders have a huge negative effect on engagement and you know, so I love talking to people like yourself that have worked at trying to emulate the good leaders and to try to make a difference in the world because you saw that good leadership done in a way that inspired you. I mm-hmm. think that's what you're saying, right? That's absolutely what I'm saying. And honestly, I think the contrast of being led by really positive, inspiring leaders versus being led by people who kind of do what you just shared on and kind of bring you down they impact your mental health and well-being. They might create a more toxic environment or an environment where you don't feel safe. Recognizing that contrast is so powerful and has been so powerful for me and trying to figure out who I am as a leader and, and how I want to show up for people and what type of experience I want to create for them as I lead. Uh, so that's been a really, really important mechanism for my own development is is just recognizing the different types of leaders and the styles and what I find to be admirable and motivating and inspiring. I know for me, it was almost an integrity kind of thing because I would get so angry and upset about the negative impact that bad leaders would have. And I would say to myself, Don, you will never do that, right? I mean, we have to put a stake in the ground. That is so bad and so ugly and so demeaning to people. Like, you've got to live your life in such a way that, that you'll never be tempted to go down that road, right? So it would almost galvanize me in a way that would provide a lot of motivation, just not to make them bad and wrong. Unfortunately, I probably was too judgmental, but it also gave me an energy about developing myself at a greater rate because I didn't want to go down that slippery slope as they talk about. Absolutely. Hey, Very well said. About this, Anna. I know this is a really tough question, but Thinking back, if you were to start all over again, 
if this was like you're starting your leadership journey now and you're getting into mm-hmm. your first role for the first time, would you have done anything different? Is there anything that occurs to you that might help our listeners kind of think about maybe if they're in early in their career and thinking about leadership transitions and developing leadership ability and skills and mindsets that occurs to you that you would have done different? Yeah, I, I do think I would have done some things different. I will say I don't feel like I was very intentional about my leadership development probably until the last decade and even more so just in the last couple of years. If I could do it all again and go back to early in my career, I think one of the things that I would have liked to have worked on earlier is anything and everything that could help me become more self-aware, you know, understanding my strengths, doing some of the, the assessments like Strength Finders, Myers-Briggs, you know, DISC, you know, all of the, the tools that are out there to help you gain some self-awareness about your communication style, your personality, and the strengths that you bring to the table. I would have done more of that sooner. I think I would have also probably been more active in my reflection. I think early in my career, it was more about just drive, drive, drive and achieve and just work and plow through and probably not enough of really stopping to think about where are my strengths and how can I impact people in, in a positive way? And where are my, my opportunities to close some gaps or, or to improve? The other piece that I wish I had done more intentionally was seeking feedback in my first, probably my first decade as a professional, we had our, our annual review cycles and we would get feedback through that mechanism. And, you know, the feedback I got was, was always positive, but it was, you know, reflective of an entire year. And I didn't at that point take pauses at different points throughout the year and just informally <laughs> or formally request feedback from people that I was working with. And I have since come to do that on a more regular basis and I'm finding it very, very valuable, but I didn't, I didn't do that much early in my career, partly because I think I feared it. That inner critic, I was just like, oh gosh, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to ask people because I already know I have all these, these gaps or these weaknesses or areas that I need to grow. And so I was a little scared of, of getting feedback, but I wish I had done more of that. Oh, that makes so much sense. When someone will say to me, Don, would you like to have some feedback? My immediate response is always yes, externally. But in my mind, I'm like, ah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> my mind is saying, oh, what if it's negative or what if it's critical? I mean, I just, I did not ever grow up looking for that kind of uh, feedback. So I have this immediate kind of emotional reaction to it. It's like a trigger. And yeah. so I look back over my career, I didn't ask as much as I could have either. I, everyone has maybe a little bit of fear of receiving some feedback that they don't know what to do with, or it may not sound great, or it might be impacting their career or the relationship with their boss or peers, whatever. How do you go about it today? Could you give our listeners some ideas about easy ways to informally or formally ask for that feedback that's working for you now? Yeah. Yeah. So of course, one of the ways is through the formal mechanism of, of a 360, like the Zegerfopen survey. But what I, what I have also found to be really valuable and that I'm trying to develop a, a rhythm and a habit around is when I'm in one-on-one meetings or small group meetings to request feedback. And I, I have found that the more specific I can be in the question, 
about what I'm seeking their feedback on, the more, the easier it is for the sender (laughs) or the giver of that feedback to provide constructive feedback. So it's really trying just to make it almost a routine part of the conversations that I have with people that I'm interacting with. And then in addition to that, I try to do this and I don't do it as consistently as I should, but I try, you know, at the close of of every project that I have, I do like to reach out to my team and elicit feedback on their experience working on the team. And I usually have a a few prompts that I'll shoot them in an email and ask them to reflect on and can gather feedback from my coworkers that way. So those are a few methods that I have found to be helpful. That's good. That is helpful. What do you do with the person that you think has some feedback that they're not sharing, but they've said something, but you sense that it's not the whole truth? There's one individual, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he'll kind of throw something out there (laughs) that you know there's something on his mind that he wants to say, but he doesn't say it fully. And I think in those cases, I kind of let my curiosity guide me. Like, you've got something on your mind there. I'll just name him. He's not going to care. His name is Harrison. I'll be like, Harrison, you've got some, I can tell there's something there. You know, what, what's on your mind? Can you say a little bit more and just try to draw it out? And it's never, it's never anything awful. It's never anything malicious, but usually there's something there. And it's just, it just takes some questioning and some probing to figure out what's on his mind. Okay. So what I hear you saying is don't back down. If your gut says there's something more to the story, ask for it. Yeah, Absolutely. And you can do it in a, in a gentle and kind and curious way so that the other person knows that they have a safe space to share it and that you're not going to get upset or fly off the handle or, you know, there, there aren't going to be any, any negative repercussions of sharing it. Yes. And that's your style. Should tell the listeners, your boss, Greg Harmeyer, is an extraordinary leader himself. And he says this about Anna. He says, Anna is a compassionate, caring leader who has sought out to lead not only people, but clients and internal initiatives. She is smart and humble, which makes her an easy person for people to want to emulate and follow. She's also one of the people leaders who walks the talk and works alongside her teammates at every opportunity. That's a lot of beautiful praise from somebody that really gets positive leadership. So Anna, help our listeners. You know, If people wanna emulate you, if they want to follow in your footsteps, and they want to do it as rapidly as possible. I know today speed is everything. And the faster we get our project work done for our clients, the more they're satisfied. You know that. I'm sure you feel that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what could a young leader do to accelerate their development? I heard you say before, be intentional, ask for feedback, really grow your self-awareness. And I think those are all good foundations for part of this answer. But is there anything else that, especially because you guys deal in the the field of of human development potential, and is there any activation strategies or anything that might be useful for our listeners that we could offer to them that could help them even speed it up more? Maybe there isn't, but I just thought I'd Mm -hmm. ask. A couple thoughts come to mind in addition to the items that you just summarized. I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that has been really helpful for me is to recognize the types of characteristics and behaviors that I see in other leaders that I know I want to emulate. And I think if you can, you know, make those explicit, you know, write them down in a journal, write them down in your OneNote, whatever it might be, like these are the characteristics I, I want to strive to adopt, or these are the behaviors I, I strive to demonstrate. 
just putting pen to paper and making those things explicit, I think can be helpful. Then of course, you know, asking folks for feedback about those specific characteristics or those specific behaviors, because then you're really defining, this is what I want to be as a leader. This is how I want to show up. The other thing that, that I think can be helpful, I've done this some, but probably not enough, is to have kind of a leadership development partner that you engage with and have conversations with on a regular basis. Talk about some of the challenges you're experiencing. Share some of the, the times when you know you haven't shown up in the way that, that you have defined as wanting to show up as a leader and get that person's perspective to kind of help you process that. So I think having someone else that you can share ideas with and bounce things off of and, and also just getting really explicit about how it is you want to show up. And then actually the third thing that was very valuable for me, and I, I neglected to say this earlier, is I had and still have an extraordinary mentor in my life. Her name is Beth, and she's somebody who I worked with immediately out of grad school and still work with her to this day. She's actually a consultant on, on some of my projects. And my gosh, just being able to talk with her, to process challenges with her, she was always so empathetic and understanding and always gave me valuable perspective. Having someone like that in your life, I think is just huge when it comes to, to developing as a professional and developing as a leader. I think she has had such an impactful role in my development. And I think being able to find a person like that, who you admire, who you feel comfortable with, who you know offers valuable perspective, it's just a huge value add from a development perspective. I agree. Was she also your development partner or was she more of a mentor? And is there a difference? Maybe they're pretty close. She was more of a mentor. And for a while, she was officially my boss, you know, for a period of time. But, and I don't even know how it happened. It kind of happened organically, but I just came to really value the guidance that she would offer, even when I didn't ask for it and found that she always had such a, a valuable perspective and really helped me to think about things differently and kind of get out of my own head <laughs> at times. And so just over the years, I just really came to rely on her for her perspective and her guidance. And still to this day, you know, every time I talk to her, I feel like she helps me think about things and see things a little bit differently. That's wonderful. I don't know if I've really ever had a mentor or a person in my life like that. As you're talking about it, I just mm -hmm. think, wow. That makes all the difference in the world because you can take the really complex issues of leadership, and there are many, <laughs> mm -hmm. to that person. And I think through dialogue, discover, you know, what's going on in that situation. And, and because, you know, the first place we have to think about making a difference is like, is my mindset about the thing that's going on the right way or not? Should I think about it differently? Uh, what about me? How much am I involved with the problem and the issue? And what about the other person? How do I show up differently for them? And I just think leadership is really, really complex from that perspective. So that mentor that you're talking about makes a lot of sense. I also want to support your idea of the development partner. I think that development is also very hard. I mean, think about development in respect to uh, it being something like a diet or a new workout plan, or you know, how many times have we all failed at doing things to better ourselves? And so development, when we say we're going to become an extraordinary leader, is really, really hard. 
because it's just not easy to do. It's like one of those things you're going to fail at. So without a development partner, the chances of you not doing it well are pretty good. Uh, in fact, I would say there are probably four out of five people are going to fail and mm. maybe only one person can pull it out. So I, I like your development partner idea too. I'd like to say to our listeners, I think one of the things that you hear Anna talking about is that if you get a chance to work with a mentor or a development partner, make sure you take the challenges and the problems that you have to them. I believe that adults learn mostly through solving their problems. So mm-hmm. one great way to accelerate your learning as a leader is to be really clear about what's happening to you and your leadership challenges and what you've tried and, and ask and seek for different ways to find a better answer. I think leadership development really kind of shows up big for those people that work really hard at understanding their leadership challenges and get help and support in discovering new ways to be a better leader through them. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. And you know, one of the other opportunities that I have had at Tier 1 in the last couple of years is to be part of a leadership cohort. So that has been a really wonderful opportunity for senior leaders at Tier 1 to gather to discuss you know, leadership challenges that each of us is experiencing on a daily basis and to kind of work through them together and gain perspective from others on how they might have managed the situation or the challenge or the problem. So whether it's a cohort type of experience or whether it's a specific individual who serves as a development partner, being able to talk about specific challenges that you're going through as a leader and work through those through dialogue and even through trying certain things and then getting feedback is just so very helpful. That's wonderful. Well, just so our listeners know, Anna, you have outstanding results. You have probably the most pristine feedback that I've ever seen. And I'm sure you still have leadership challenges, right? (laughs) Sure do. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like you ever get rid of them as a leader. In fact, it it might be the primary responsibility of a leader is to know what challenges are and have a plan. Would you be willing to share with our listeners maybe one current challenge that you have, obviously without names or exposing anything, but what are you up against these days? What do you find your biggest challenges are that you're confronting? Yeah, so I can certainly share my challenges. They might not be as specific as they could be to be helpful to listeners, but it's, it's kind of where I am right now. One of those challenges is basically time and space. and what I'm learning is that the more people recognize you as a leader, the more your time, your input, your perspective is requested. And there's just, there's a a need, an ongoing need to balance where you spend your time and where you think you can add the most value and have the greatest impact. And we all know that time is a finite resource. (laughs) You can't fit everything in. And it also takes time to connect with individuals and, and understand them as a whole person. And so it's just, for me, it's truly having enough time and space and the time and space that I want to be able to truly connect with people. That's one challenge. And then the other one that has really come to light for me recently is just being cognizant of the influence that you have on people, good or bad. So one of the things that I've noticed or that I've just become more aware of is the messages that I can either intentionally or unintentionally, most times unintentionally, send. An example of that is I've had some health issues recently 
a major surgery. I got struck with COVID. <laughs> it was all kind of in the same in the same time period. And I, for whatever reason, kind of just kept working through most of that, partly because I, I felt like I had a lot on my plate and I, I couldn't just push it aside. But I did come to realize through some feedback that others had given me was think about the message that you're sending to people who you are leading within the organization. You know, you're unintentionally sending a message that we should push through even when we should be getting rest. You know, you're responding to emails at night or on the weekends. Think about the message that you're sending to other folks. That's a challenge that I've been facing recently and one that I, that I think I need to be more cognizant of because people do look to me and do look to others as leaders and as models, and they're going to take to heart when they see certain behaviors like that. Wow. That is so challenging. I get it because I'm hearing that more and more, especially I'm sure you, as you talk to your clients, like it's really challenging in this virtual environment not to do what you're talking about. And especially you and I grew up in the Midwest with these great work ethic families. And if there was ever a problem, I would always say I'd work myself out of the problem. And yes, that's my first way of getting to the solution is work harder, do more, work harder, do more, work harder, do more. And, And quite honestly, that's not always the best answer. And I love what you're saying from a leadership perspective, it's really not the best answer when you're trying to affect a culture that tells people that taking care of themselves and relying on their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health is a priority and that they've got to take care of themselves because the company really can't do that for them. But mm-hmm. you know, if we don't role model that as leaders to them, if we push through when we're sick or when we're tired or when we don't have the ability to take care of ourselves or we don't choose not to take care of ourselves, let's make it a choice. It really is. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's a very conflicting message to what we say you know, we want in the values of the organization. It is. And it's, I have Greg's words that you read off to me a little bit ago in my head. The fact that he said, well, she's someone who walks the talk. And then I think, gosh, in this circumstance, no, I, I am not walking the talk because, you know, I, I'm the first one to tell people, you know, protect your PTO, take the time you need to heal, take, you know, Work will still be here when you get back, yet I didn't behave in that way. And so that's something that I, I need to be more aware of and work on and make sure that I'm that my behavior is consistent with the message that I'm trying to convey to others. Powerful. You just took a big step towards the right solution. You now know what it is and you've admitted it to the public. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it'll be easier to, to do the right thing now. Yeah. Is there anything else that I know you've prepared and thought about this podcast? Is there anything else that you, you wanted to talk to our listeners about or share with them? I'm almost embarrassed that I'm on this podcast because I know I still have a long way to go as a leader. You know, I feel like I am continuing to learn and to grow and develop every single day. And I'm, I'm constantly looking at others and thinking, gosh, I need to be more like that. Or gosh, I really need to work on, on this other behavior or other characteristics. So I just, I think it's just recognizing that it's a journey and I expect that I will be on this development journey and until the very end. <laughs> but I just, I appreciate, you know, the opportunity, Don, to share some of some of my journey thus far and some of what I've learned along the way. Well, you truly are an extraordinary leader. And I don't just say that uh, casually either. For our listeners, if you'd like to leave a question for Anna or some feedback, we'd love to see that. Uh, we're seeking your feedback, just like Anna says, she seeks feedback from her team. 
And you can go to talentmagnetinstitute.com backslash podcast. And actually, I think you can leave a, a verbal. You can take your, your question to us if you'd like to do that. So feel free to do that. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. Anna, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. And I just love your humility. I could spend all day talking to you, but I know that's not the highest priority. So, Thank you so much, Don. I do really appreciate the opportunity. And it was nice to be able to reflect in this way. It really was great. Great to be with you. Have a great day. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.